Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Anonymous Andrew here with a pre-note, uh, pre-show note. We changed the audio of my guest, the pitch of his voice. Um, the show is Anonymous Andrew, and some of my guests are anonymous. They just changed their name. This guest wanted to change his name and his voice. So you're going to hear a chipmunk. Um, but I do want to thank this gentleman uh, tremendously for coming on and um, being courageous to tell his story. Um, anyway, on to the show. Uh, just wanted to let you know why you're hearing a chipmunk. Okay. All right. Welcome, everybody. Anonymous Andrew here, back with another episode. And today I have a very special guest, um, somebody that I've been talking to for a couple of weeks, and uh, I finally got him to sit down with me, and I am delighted. Um, today we have David with us. Now, of course, um, my episode, my podcast is Anonymous Andrew, so David is Anonymous David. But um, everybody, um, I'd like to introduce David. He would like to share some of his stories with us. David, say hello. Hello, everybody. It's it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Andrew. I appreciate you having uh, time for me today to uh, to talk with you. Oh, I appreciate your time, David. Okay, so you know, I've been putting out onto social media. Um, and on this podcast, I want other people's stories similar to mine that went through uh, relationships that you were either cheated on, lied to, gaslighted, uh, manipulated, and and we found ourselves. I'm going to talk in the we because you and I have spoken previously yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we find ourselves like we almost felt like we were prisoners in that relationship. <clears throat> Excuse me. We were stuck. We, we we didn't know how to get out. Am, am I am I characterizing some of your relationships? Oh oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, there's been multiple relationships that I that I've had. You know, over you know a span of 20, 25 years of my life. You know, beginning with some of my earliest relationships. Uh, you know, that proved to be you know toxic and and, and dysfunctional. Uh, and ensnared and imprisoned me. You know, for for long periods of time. You know, over massive turbulence and, and, and abuse and, and and they were they were difficult to understand they were difficult to to live through they were difficult to reconcile after the fact uh you know and for me it took me years to to even really wrap my mind around what i was going through and and what my patterns were and, and the type of people i was attracting or, or the type of people i was attracted to um and how all of that you know bore this uncanny you know similarity you know that i i've been able to um to conclude you know like 
yeah, I've had a lot of relationships with uh, with women who either had you know severe narcissistic personality traits or who wore uh, you know borderlines, who had borderline personality disorder, and you know many of those behaviors, the pathology is very consistent from one partner to the other. So even after twenty years of dating individuals like that, um, I always felt like I was dating the same person, even even though it was an entirely different person and different relationship. Do you have one particular story that that sticks out you would like to share with us? Yeah, I think I think for me, you know, probably one of the most pivotal um, and, and really just heartbreakingly tragic relationships I ever had um, was in my late twenties, early thirties, and uh, I was with a girl who just immediately captivated me, enraptured me, ensnared me, love bombed me, you know, all, all of the, you know, telltale, you know, signs and hallmarks, the love bombing, you know, as, as it's yeah. often referred to. Oh, yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, instead of yielding to that and thinking, my gosh, you know, why, why is this individual, um, you know, opening up to me so quickly or, 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 or connecting to me so quickly, um, or falling in love with me so quickly, I was just, I was so captivated by it. I, I was, uh, you know, all the, you know, the love endorphins, the, you know, the oxytocin. I, I, I was just drunk on all of that. And I had never, I had never really had someone, uh, you know, who was so interested in me and so obsessed with me, quite frankly. And instead of seeing that as um, unhealthy and imbalanced and, and premature, I just, I jumped into it with both feet. And uh, that's, that's you when, soaked it up. Yeah, that's, that's when the roller coaster began for me. And, yeah. um, you know, things were, uh, things were very good, you know, often as they are in the beginning of a relationship with someone who's either MPD or BPD, um, you know, because they, what they really do is they, they, they elevate you, you know, they almost worship you. They're very obsessed with you. They're very affectionate with you. They're very, you know, they're just very fond of you. You know, they're like your biggest fan. And, uh, you know, oftentimes you kind of find yourself, you know, thinking, gosh, you know, like. Do I really deserve this person? You know, because you don't. How listen. did I get this lucky? Yes, exactly. Right. You feel like you, uh, yeah. you feel like you've won the lottery of sorts. In a sense, you yeah, have, I, but it's, oh. not. <laughs> it's I, not. I said the same thing. I hit the lottery. Oh god. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You think, you know, from a young man's perspective, or even, even you know, even a man's perspective in his you know forties, fifties, or sixties, when a woman comes into your life like this, and oftentimes. These types of individuals are very gregarious, they're very charming, they're very charismatic, they're, they're, they're the brightest, warmest, most alluring, uh, you know, eminence in the room. You know, people really gravitate toward these individuals, um, you know, and they they pick you and you think, my God, you know, like, I, I really did win the lottery. But the reason that they picked you, unbeknownst to you at the time, is because you're the easiest mark in the room. And that's exactly yeah. what I turned out to be. And, you know, that relationship, it, it lasted, um, you know, three and a half, four years. And it, it really put me through so many painful overtures and, 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 and so much pain and punishment and abuse, physical, emotional, even sexual abuse at times, you know, which was something that I never really shared with anybody or, or, or very many people for a very long time because it was something that, that, that deeply... Um, embarrassed me, humiliated me, and, and made me just generally feel ashamed, uh, you know, that I had found myself in a situation like that, or that I maintained a relationship with an individual like that. But, but that's what, that's precisely what happened. 
And and you just used the key phrase. I maintain the relationship, and you know, um, oh, my yeah. story, as you know, <laughs> and and the audience knows, was that I stayed in that type of relationship way past its expiration date, and I to to this day, this is why I started this podcast. I'm trying to find out why I stayed. Like you said, I hit the lottery, and I, everything you just said. In the beginning, the love bombing and the trauma bonding, and they, oh, yes. they suck you into their vortex of, and, and you almost feel genuinely sorry for them. And in my case, I was the white knight in the shining armor, coming in on the white horse, or whatever you know, all that fairy tale stuff. Yes. And I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna come save you, and I'll be your your uh, your your knight in shining armor, and and that's when they start coming back at you with like you said, they shower you with love and kindness and, and charming. And, and once they have you in their grips, that's, is that when it starts to shift? I think so. Uh, I, I think what I've learned through, you know, my many, many relationships and many years of returning to the scene of the crime, if you will. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, even upon exiting those relationships with those types of individuals, I would immediately revolve and into another similar relationship with another similar type of person so I, I was repeating my patterns but during that time you know I was just observing a lot of consistencies um and, and now more so that I've had many many years to to compile these experiences but also separation and distance to reflect and look back on them and appraise them for what they are um it's just amazing I I think I was always just so intrigued at how similar the pet like I said I'll go back to that word the pathology you know the behaviors from one person to the next because they were textbook and once you start to recognize those and, and understand what they are and why they're happening, um, that's I think that's what I think that's what empowers someone to to kind of prevent that from happening in the future, if you will. And I was just kind of slow, you know, to come to some of those realizations and, and some of those observations. But you know, you and I had previously spoke, um, you know, just briefly about about your experience. And some of the things that you were going through and, and, and the same question you know came up at that time you know like how do we find ourselves in these situations or how do we find ourselves not exiting these situations you know why why do we get stuck why does it happen and you know i said something to you at that time that was even kind of surprising for me i, I didn't you know i said it before i really you know had precognition or realization of what i was saying and i just simply said because there's something broken in us and, uh, you know, it's something I, I've given a lot of thought to over the last couple of weeks since we last spoke. And I think it's just, I think it's a very honest statement. And, um, you know, I've always been a very sensitive, loving, caring, charismatic, you know, intelligent, artistic person. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, a, you know, I consider myself just a very uh, emotionally in tune, compassionate, sympathetic, loving person. And I think that those types of individuals will always be big, big targets for people who, you know, seek to prey on those types of individuals and people who want to take advantage of people like that, people who want to manipulate and isolate and abuse people like that, you know, like what we've been through. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of losing my frame of mind. There was there was somewhere I wanted to go with that exactly. Um, well, I, oh, I'll, yes. I'll... So I, I'm so sorry, Andrew. So I wanted yeah. to go back. I wanted to go back to the idea of, you know, that there, that there must be something broken in us. And I can't speak for everybody. And, I, and I'm certainly not aiming to do that. But I think that self-reflection is always key um, when going through these types of experiences or, or, or looking back on them, obviously, reflectively. And, 
And I think that we need to be honest with ourselves. At least I was with, with myself, you know, and I obviously had, I had nurturing and, and, and abandonment issues, you know, from a very young age. I, I had a very young mother who was going through a very turbulent time, you know, with her husband. And I think she wasn't really sure about her direction or her decisions that she had made in life. And, you know, oftentimes they, they, they argued a lot. You know, I, I grew up in a very tumultuous household. A um, lot of anger, a lot of yelling, a lot of fighting, a lot of dysfunction. And my parents would often argue and my mother would always threaten to leave, or she would leave. And sometimes she would be gone for a couple hours and sometimes she would be gone for a couple of days and sometimes it would be weeks. And um, I realized how that affected me, you know, obviously now uh, throughout my life as a man, as it still affects me today. And um, I think I just never really felt deserving of love. Uh, deserving of good things, deserving of the same things I might give to another in a relationship. So in that sense, I didn't feel deserving of, of, of mutuality or, or equity um, or reciprocity. I felt like I was, I, it was my role in life to give to other people and meet their needs and to make them happy and to always put people before myself. And I think that's a very dangerous place to be in. Because we need to first believe in and love ourselves and, and believe that we're, we're valuable, that we're important, that, that our love is meaningful and, and, and has a great value to it and, and shouldn't easily be earned or, or manipulated from us, if you will. And um, I don't know, I just, I've given a lot of thought to that. And I, I think there's a lot of truth in that statement, at least for me. And maybe some other people out there might connect with that. Maybe not. But I grew up with parents who absolutely loved me. Um, but I didn't necessarily feel loved and I didn't feel like a big priority in their life. So I think a lot of that fear of abandonment and fear of not being good enough to have all of my parents' love and time and attention like I wanted it um, and like I needed it, uh, you know, that, that parlayed into my relationship experiences and, and, and my, my perspective of what a relationship should be. And uh, it's taken me a long time to sort that out, but I think that's square one for me. Um, wow. Uh, um, it, it's when I, it's been about six months since the breakup for me yeah. and, and I've learned so much in those past six months. And, and as I'm interviewing folks like you, and I've had a couple of life coaches on, I'm starting to put together the pieces. This last relationship was like a big puzzle. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know where I fit in and how, and, and why the pieces didn't fit. And um, it's interesting that I had a little bit of a different upbringing than you did, but I have the exact same traits as you mentioned. I um, don't have the, the self love or the self worth, or I, I need, uh, I, I was at therapy a couple of nights ago and um, I, 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 I haven't shared this with the audience yet, but I, I have met one or two women over the last few weeks, just met just mm -hmm. like, and not, not even really gone on dates yet, but I told my therapist how excited I was. And she, you know what she said to me, why do you value your own self-worth if a woman shows interest in you, why can't you see yourself as, as, as valuable without a woman in your life? Yeah. And I had to really think about that because for the past six months, I've been walking around in a, in a, in a slump 
like you know because my life was over my 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 soulmate left and oh, yeah. we broke yeah. up and and then oh now a new woman might 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 in quotations be back uh, a different woman and, and uh, my spirits got lifted and my therapist looked at me and she said why are you putting so much value on another person to give your own self-worth and and that's where i'm struggling um I, I think that I don't value myself unless I have a, a woman in my life. And um, this is the longest time I've been single for six months yeah, in, in yeah. my adult life. Um, That's a really good point. And I, I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you shared that. I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, it, it touches on, you know, the values that are instilled to us, you know, specifically as you know men as we're talking right now you know and, and having our relationships being you know being men like you know society at least left me with this impression from a very young age that um that my worth and my value and my place and purpose and station in society and in life in general really was um you know contingent upon you know, how I partnered or who I partnered with in the life that we might right. live, including children, of course. So there's a lot of pressure, you know, especially, I mean, on, on all people at, at a young age, there's no doubt about that. But um, I think society, you know, tends to, to groom young men, you know, young men into thinking that they're nobody unless they have, you know, a beautiful bombshell girlfriend, you know, who's popular and, and everybody, you know, is lusting after and, and you know we have to have the car and and, and the money and the job and and yeah. <clears throat> and, and I think I that I think that, that. I yep. think that's all part of it for sure. Well, that's you're right. I think that it's not just your generation or younger. It's I think every generation there was this pressure to get. Um, you you go to school, you you graduate, and then you have to get married. You got to have and and here's that cliche that white picket fence American dream. Right. You got to get a wife. You got to get a house. You got to have a job. You got to have two cars in a driveway. You got to have a dog and two and a half kids. And 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 you know statistically, they is the two and a half whatever. And there is a lot of pressure, but <clears throat> in in my history. And and the audience knows this. I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I I went through just horrible relationships, but it wasn't until I got sober that I continued the same behavior, um, picking or choosing the wrong women, and, and falling. I, for me, it, it came down to I just trust. I trust everybody. Mm -hmm. well, I used to, you know. And and if I'm sitting if I'm sitting on the couch and and this new girlfriend of mine is telling me all about her trauma and her horrible childhood, I, I my empathy just overflows. Yes. And, yes. You know, yeah. And and. Uh, do you ever feel Do you I ever feel in those moments that you also catch yourself over over empathizing to a point where you're you're over identifying and almost almost taking on the mantle. Of, of, of that shared experience or that, that trauma or tragedy that they're sharing with you, because oftentimes that's how, you know, that that's how they create that, that bond, you know, if you will. It got to the point where, as she was sharing this with me, and, and by the way, as I look back now, I wonder how much of that was really true because she shared some pretty horrible stuff yes. as, as a child. And even in her teens and young 20s, she went through some traumatic stuff. 
you know, I wonder how much of that was true. But I remember it got to the point where she would tell her story and then then came the tears, the yeah. tears on her, you know. And what does a man do when a woman cries in front of, you know, we, we, when the tears start going, the first thing I did was reach out and grab her and hold her and it's going to be okay. I'm going to take, you know, it, 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 we, we, it's like, I, I swooped in like Superman and I, I, you know, I'm going to take care of you and it's, and, and you don't have to ever have to think about that again. that's where the trauma the love bombing the trauma bombing, and it's almost it was i i don't want to say gaslighting but i, I think it was premeditated or it was or if not it was just it is i i i believe that it is. is it i i i believe that there's i believe it's formulaic of course um okay because a lot of mpds a lot of bpds and i think i covered this with you the last time we spoke um they have a major deficit of, of empathy. And uh, most of them just really don't develop or mature beyond the emotional IQ um, of about 11 or 12 or 13 year old at best. So um, they study behavior, they study emotions, and they do that. They're, they're very keen at these observations because they've been studying people for as long as they've been alert to the fact that they're not quite like everybody else. And I think they know that first and foremost before anybody even really recognizes that about them. One of the most interesting characteristics of borderlines in my, in my experience is that consistently each and every one of them knew more about their disorder mm. than the most therapists I've ever known who specialize in treating those disorders. Yeah. 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 They'll, you know, if, if you're dating a girl right now, she's got a DSM handbook sitting around her apartment or, <laughs> or, or her house, and she's not in school for social work or psychology, buyer beware, you know, that, that I, I can say that much. But yes, they're very, they're very self-aware. They know that they're deficient. They know that they're not quite like everybody else. They know that their reactions to some things, a lot of things aren't what they should be. Um, so they, they, they learn to, um, to imitate, to mimic um, responses or behaviors in certain situations to leverage whatever kind of, uh, you know, control or outcome uh, that, they're, that they're looking to achieve, obviously. So it's very, it's very performative. Um, I find that the borderlines I've dated and the narcissists that I've been involved with, that, that they're almost like car salesmen. I mean, they, there's, <laughs> there's scripts. Their, their script, their, their lines, their rationale, their stories. I mean, it's so polished that once you really start thinking about it, you realize that some of the, most of the things that they've ever said to you that ever seemed to carry substance or meaning or had an emotional effect on you, when you think back on it, you're like, wow, I bet you've said that probably to dozens, if not hundreds yep. of other people. It, um, it's almost Oscar winning, right? That's like it it's, is. It's almost yeah. It's 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 almost like an act or they're acting. Um, because like I said, I look back at it and I don't know how much of it was true at that point. I, I, I want to share something with you that I, I found very interesting about this this woman. And maybe you can give me some insight. Of course. While she while she did everything that you're talking about, and, and I and, and at one point she did come out and say to me that she was diagnosed with BPD. Yeah. 
Um, Which is rare because so, most of, most of them will not. Most of them won't even admit knowing what that is. Most of them will never admit that they think that they have it or or that they do have it or that they've been diagnosed with it. That's that's very rare. So I, I was surprised to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I was too. Um, I, I, I think uh, it, it maybe it maybe it was a. A response because I came out and I said to her, "Well, I live with bipolar disorder, so maybe she felt that she wanted uh, to yeah, up, yeah. either up me one or just ident or maybe identify." She didn't have empathy towards me, yes, or the relationship. We were we went to uh, as we often did, you know, we went out to lunch one day and we were at a taco restaurant at one of the chains out there. I won't mention it. And we were sitting, eating our tacos, and and there was a homeless man outside the restaurant, and you could tell because he had a shopping cart and he was sitting on the ground, and she, I, he was to my back, you know, so so she could see him over my shoulder. <laughs> she gets up, runs over to the cashier, orders a burrito, um, a thirty-two ounce soda, and something else. And takes it in a, a takeout bag and runs it out and hands it to the homeless person. So she's feeding the homeless person. Okay. And does this right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And one might look at that and go, oh, what a sweet, kind, generous thing to do. I would look at it and, and, and probably in your situation, I would have. Well, not the younger version of me, but now I would be like, "Wow, that's a really calculated, yes, uh, premeditated pre act." You yep. know, um, look at me. Look, look, look how kind I am. Yes, yes, look, yes. Yeah. Let, let me comment on that for a second. Another thing that really blows my mind about something very consistent among all the borderlines that I've dated, they they actually believe, and, and many of them have said, many of them have said the same things to me, which is. It's very kind of twilight zone every time, every time it would ever happen. I'd be like, oh my God, this is, you know, what is this groundhog day? You know, it's, it's all, it's all happening all over again. <laughs> but one of the things, one of the things they would consistently say to me, or at least try to convince me of, very passionately so, is that they had more empathy than anyone, than anyone that they knew, that anyone that, even, even anyone that they thought might, might exist or coexist on the planet presently. You know, they, they think that they, it's just amazing to me that someone who doesn't have empathy can convince themselves that they do. But what I believe is that they have such a strength of feeling and, and stirring and angst within them that they confuse that with, with this broad range of emotions that other people typically have who do possess empathy. And I think that they, I think that they, they confuse that or, or, or they, yeah, I, I think that they're confused. I, I, yeah, I, I think it was all an act. Um, there was also a part of her that was a huge animal rescue. She rescued animals. And, That's interesting. Um, yeah. Did she take good this care is, of them? Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. We, we even had, um, we we never lived together, but she was always spending time here. Okay. And we had a cat that was what seemed to be a stray cat in the neighborhood. And, and my landlord was feeding the cat every day. So she would come over. And we, and one day she said to me, I, I see this cat around all the time. And she says, does anybody own him? And I said, I, as far as I know, he's a, just 
I guess, feral or neighborhood cat, but everybody feeds him. And it was getting like October, November, it was getting cold. And she said to me, I'm concerned about this cat in the cold weather. Do you think your landlord would let us take the cat in? And of course, my lease says no animals. So I, I, I asked the landlord because he was feeding the cat. He was putting cat uh, friskies out every night. Um, he said, if you can get the cat in for the winter, yeah, you can take him in. So we we rescued this cat. But she, that aside, she had five cats of her own okay. at home that she rescued all of them. And I, I think three dogs um, and and was part of. So I, I it's just interesting. I, I bring this up because of the restaurant scenario when she fed the homeless man mm -hmm. she took care of she she had all this empathy towards animals and i don't think that was an act did there, she ever feign yeah. empathy directly toward you at any one given time yeah yeah and did that yeah. did that immediately at that moment did it feel disingenuous and awkward to you not at the moment no okay. um I, I i had surgery once uh ambulatory surgery i had i had to have something done to my foot um, and so I was laid up for a week and she was down here every day, eight o'clock in the morning till, you know, five o'clock do it, feet, help it. Cause I couldn't get up and walk around. Th there were times when she would sh show empathy or show love and support. And, but it, it, I think, you know, some of the story, it, mm -hmm. it, it, when we were together, there really wasn't. I mean, of course, there were there were times where there were disagreements and arguments, or or she she got mad at me. It was what her what she was doing in her private life, and uh, and we don't really need to have to go there. But sure. th that's that's when I started getting suspicious because there were times when I couldn't get a hold of her, and you know, I did share I shared this a hundred times on the podcast. There, you know, her her. When we got into bed, her vagina was always sore. We, she couldn't have sex, and and uh, you know that that ultimately I started picking up that this is not normal. And yeah, um, um, and did you sense in her that she was sensing in you that you were starting to catch? Yeah, there there were so many times when she lied to me straight to my face, and I would look at her and I I I I would no. You you just know when somebody's lying to you. Yes. I've shared this in the podcast, but I don't know if I shared this with you and I might have. There was one time I called her out on a lie or something she did that I thought was completely inappropriate. And her answer to me was, if you don't like it, there's plenty of men waiting to take your place. That's right. She was so vain. She was so, she felt so highly of herself that if I didn't like what, either her behavior or the way she was doing something that I was ex uh, dispensable. Well, there's, there, there's that uh, element of it, but, but the other side of it is that they want to, you know, and, and this comes after the love bombing phase, obviously, and in, in, in the peak romance phase of, 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 of all of that, you know, they elevate you and put you on such a pedestal that you feel like you've never been loved like that before or wanted or desired like that before. Right. And that you never will again, that it's uniquely just this person in the entire universe that sees you and wants you that way. And then they threaten to take that away. And that's that's the hook. That's the moment. That's the moment everything changes. Because now they've put that, they planted that seed of fear into your mind that you are complete, you are completely invested 
and enraptured in this relationship and they could walk away from it at a moment's notice with no exactly. problem. And that's terrifying. And she did. And she did. There were many times when, she, when I, if I questioned her or she got tired of my questioning, she would just, I, I would get either here, she would just grab her pocketbook and say, I'm done and would run out. I wouldn't hear from her for four days. Um, I think I may or may not have shared the story when she left me in Florida. But it, we, but we took a seven. Isn't that interesting, though, before, before you share that story? Isn't it interesting that the thing that they threaten us with in, in first, um, you know, develop that, that power inequity, if you will, is by threatening us with something that they are, they are actually the most terrified of. They're, you know, they're terrified of, of being left, of not being chosen, of not being good enough, of not having a value. Well, that's interesting you said that because one of the first things that I was told when I met her on one of our first dates was that she was married for 20 years and uh -huh. her husband cheated on her. Yeah. And that, that turned her world upside down. How dare he? She, I, I, I've shared this too. She was a, a Miss Universe runner-up in the country she she came from. Okay. So she was she was gorgeous. Yeah. And but she she had risen herself so high that she felt as if she she was so beautiful and she was, but she knew that that she felt as if she could pull all these you know. But when her husband cheated on her, um, that turned her world upside down. Certainly. And um, well, what then, it, what it, this, it, damaged, it damaged her ego. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there were times when she came over. Now, I, 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 I've never shared this with anybody. I, um, I vape. I'm a vapor. And there was one day that I had a vape pen mm -hmm. on my desk. And it was, you know, some va these vaping devices come in all different shapes and sizes. Oh, but yeah. this one was a little red cylinder and it if you look at it quickly it looked like lipstick and she was sitting on the couch one day and she oh. got up and walked over to my desk and she looked and she said what is that and i said what is what and she picked it up and she goes is this lipstick <laughs> are, are you are you cheating on me you know she really and, and I, I had to show her that it was a vaping pen right and and she she and 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 two weeks later she was taking a shower and i had a conditioner i i i don't know if this is normal but i use pantene conditioner for you know what's hair. so funny because I, I had the same exact i i had the same i already know what you're gonna say but go ahead go ahead yep well yeah she saw the pantene conditioner and she's figured no guy's gonna she use was convinced that. That, that it was a female's product yep. yeah absolutely and I had convinced her that I use Pantene conditioner because I have long hair and I want good hair. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Pantene I, makes good conditioner. I, I had one flip out and assault me and uh, and leave and not talk to me, you know, give me the, the classic silent treatment after, uh, you know, she saw that I had a loofah. And, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I, I know I, where the loop is. And I actually, you know, I take I take pretty good care of myself. You know, I um, you know, I I would have like facial toners and cleansers and things like that. And she said she she just she couldn't she couldn't believe for a second that that a man would yeah. you know invest in those type of products or use those type of products. And I thought that was one of the silliest things I'd ever heard. And I thought, well, you know, I like nice things. You know, 
Yeah, same here. I, I have almond oil in my bathroom. I use for my skin. I have. I I, I belong to a one of these online men's clubs where they send you all this. I'm like you. I I take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I think they. But some of them come in innocuous bottles that could be considered a feminine product, or mm -hmm. maybe you know. But 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 here's the interesting fact: is that. I've heard often that the, the the narcissist or the gaslighter, when they're doing the cheating and the lying and deceiving, will often accuse the other person of doing that. And yeah, yeah, that's, I was it's, constantly. It's a perfect deflection and distraction. Yeah. Exactly. I, I was always accused of cheating on her. Um, I mean, she would she would literally go through my closet and look for women's clothes, mm -hmm. and, and and I I have admitted that I that I was loyal. Not admitted. I'm I'm telling her. I'm telling the world that I this she was my everything, and I would have never cheated on her. Right. And and yet she did. She did all the cheating. And 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 what kills me is that she cried on my couch for a month and a half about how her husband ex-husband cheated on her and then she goes out and does it to me absolutely and and knowing how how painful that is and how how much that hurts somebody when that's done to do it to your your next boyfriend so um tell me i i now know that you're in a healthy relationship yeah and you've you have been able to i don't want to say fix yourself but you've been able to shift your thinking and your approach how, how did you make that change how are you doing today how yeah it's a, it's, talk it's, about. It's, it's a good question it's, it's something that you know i'm reminded of often and i think about you know quite often because you know my girlfriend she's she's a daily part of my life and a daily reminder that you know i'm finally being you know loved in a very you know healthy equitable positive way you know and and it, it's it's hard not to contrast that when you've been through so many nightmarish experiences with people who took advantage of you and, and abused you and took your love for granted so i'm reminded of it every day you know by you know the warmth the genuineness the, the compassion the love the friendship you know the respect um you know that i receive back you know that that's that's kind of new for me you know i'm, I'm with someone who cares as equally about the relationship as I do myself. And when we encounter difficulty, um, we both confront it head on and, and not, in, not in a toxic way, you know? Um, we both want to fix it. We want to nurture each other. We want to hear and understand where the other person's coming from. Um, and we want to improve ourselves to be better people for each other. And that's what real love looks like and feels like. And, um, it's amazing, you know, it's, it's amazing to finally experience that, you know, not just, not just the facade of that, but the day after day reality of that, um, it's exquisite. And I wish I could have found, I wish I could have, you know, on one hand you say, oh, well, I wish I could have realized that or found that, you know, years and years ago, years ago. But, yeah. if, but if I hadn't, I wouldn't have this amazing woman in my life right now. So, um, oh. So I look back. Yeah, on, I've, yeah. You know, I look back on those experiences, and and, and some are very, very painful, and, and some of them I've, I've even kind of blocked out, you know, because you have to because it was so traumatic. Um, but I'm fine, you know. After going after going through all that, it really did prepare me to be ready to to understand and receive, you know, 
this this beautiful love that I have in my life right now. Absolutely. How, how did you make the transition from unhealthy relationship into a healthy relationship? And how did you adjust? Yeah. Because I have trust issues now. Yes. I have, um, I, if, if, I, I'm not dating yet, but I'm looking to start dating. And I, I, I can feel already that I'm just number one, not going to trust the next person. Uh, I, I'm, I'm deathly afraid of getting involved in a sexual relationship because the, the last one, I, I know that she was cheating and then I was sleeping when I was having sex with her, that she was out with men the night before. I, I have all this trauma in me and I don't know how I'm going to make that transition. If I find a healthy woman, if I choose correctly and I find a woman who, like you did, who is going to cherish the relationship yes. and treat it equally, I don't, that transition is going to be difficult for me. How, how did you do it? So the transition for me, it, it occurred over many years. Um, I literally took a decade off from... Oh, Wow. A decade, yeah. I mean, a long time. I, I took a long time for myself. It probably took, I, in all honesty, it probably took about four to five years to really recuperate and recover myself from the wreckage and the ruins of what was left of me after, you know, the one relationship I referred to earlier in this conversation. So I took some time off. Um, I saw a therapist for a long time. Uh, you know, that was helpful. Um, and I just really, not to sound cliche, because, you know, you hear a lot of people say that, and, you know, I even have a tendency to roll my eyes because I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's easier said than done. But you have to, you have to find your own voice, your own identity, your own direction. Uh, you know, earlier you were talking about how your therapist pointed out that you only feel validated or affirmed when you've got a woman on your arm, when you're in a relationship. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You have to take enough time for yourself to realize that those affirmations and validations actually reside within you and that the love that you give yourself is really, truly, genuinely, honestly, the love that you get to keep and, and the love that, 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 that continues to build, you know? So for me, instead of putting all my work into all these projects that were going nowhere, I started to build my own house for myself, just the way that I wanted it. And good. In, in, in that metaphor, you know, just, just building out my life and, and my happiness and, and my identity and my, my success professionally and socially, uh, you know, mending friendships, you know, because borderlines and narcissists certainly have a tendency almost always, quite frankly, uh, to isolate you um, yep. from everyone, you know, that you ever cared about or who cared about you, friends and family, it doesn't matter. Um, so just a lot of repairing of old relationships. Uh, making sure that friendships were a priority over romantic entanglements, um, just just slowing down and, and really observing what was going on and, and thinking about my own actions and appraising my own interests and 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 motivations and and deciding where I wanted to go with life. You know, I I had two paths before me. I could either continue on in the same pattern that I had been repeating for almost twenty years, and I knew where that was going. Or I could do something that was unfamiliar and uncomfortable and grow from it and learn from it and finally move in a direction that was better for me. And it was, it was a conscious decision. I wanted better for me. I, I loved me. And um, I also had to forgive myself too. You know, that, I think sometimes that's easily overlooked, um, but that's a big part of it. You know, it took me many years to be able to forgive myself for 
giving myself, you know, putting the most valuable thing that I had, which was my heart, you know, putting it, putting it with these awful individuals. I had to forgive myself for that. And it wasn't easy. Yeah. And that's what I'm working on right now. And somebody recently brought up, I, 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 in the beginning, after the breakup, I was going into the victim mentality. Um, I was angry at myself. I wasted two, two plus years of my life. How, yeah. the, how did I let this happen? Um, I, I, I'm, all, all of this post anxiety and trauma that goes, that happens after like a narcissistic or BPD relationship until somebody brought up and, and, and you hear this a lot is don't look at the relationship as a negative thing. Try to take the positive of what you learned from that relationship and bring it. And, and, and when I started to hear that, I was like cringing. I was like, no, you don't understand. It was terrible. Until somebody said to me, Andrew, you would not have started this podcast if it wasn't for this relationship, exactly. you know, exactly. yes. you know, I, uh, <laughs> and that's just one small snippet of how better my life is today, because I enjoy this podcast. Um, um, you know, whether, whether I become famous and, and, or, or just, you know, social phenomenon or whether the 200 people that are following me are the, the rest for my life. I, I'm doing something positive for myself. And it would not have been if this woman didn't interrupt my life the way she did. Yes. And I no longer am feeling a victim. I no longer have that victim mentality. And I was also told that if I want to attract positivity in my life, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the law of attraction. Yeah. That you, if you put out negativity into the universe, you're going to get negativity back. Yes, and absolutely. If you put out positivity, you get positivity. And the minute I started shifting that thinking, I, I met two women. And I've shared this on, well, actually, some of the audience doesn't know about one of the women that I just met. But as soon as I shifted my my thinking, um, a woman came into my life. I'm, I'm, I'll get into that with the audience in my next episode. But um, I'm going to retrace back just, just real quick. Um, sure. you know, we were talking about, you know, how I was able to make that transition and turn around, you know, and, and finally be able to, you know, move in a healthy direction and, and find myself attracted to the right thing. Um, <laughs> bear with me for just a second. I'm just trying to get my thoughts together on this. Um, I apologize. I apologize to your audience. Um, I'm super, I'm super ADD and sometimes... And, and revisiting these things is not is not something I often do anymore. Um, the last time I oh, it's hard. Yeah, the last time I spoke to you, you know, yeah, when I spoke to you the last time, that was one of the few times I had you know vividly or in detail you know talked about or even thought about or revisited any of those relationships because I've I've tried to I've tried to distance myself from that. I've learned what I've <laughs> I've learned what I've I've had to learn and I've 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 felt everything I needed to feel, so I've, I've, I've kind of put those in my past, and they are still very traumatic and triggering for me, even whenever I think about them now or speak about them casually, um, and sometimes, sometimes it just, um, I get lost in my thoughts, I get lost yeah. in my thoughts, it's, yeah. it's like having a PTSD, it's okay. you know, episode even 10 years after the fact, but what I wanted to say was that I think it's very important that if you have someone who's coming into your life, and they're immediately love bombing you, and you know, just assuming this connection with you that's not really real. Um, 
you have someone, instead of talking about who they are in their life presently and what their plans are uh, and, and what positive things they see in their filter, their perception of life, but rather if you find yourself with someone who immediately connects with you and shares stories of, of, of trauma and victimization um, and negative experiences about their past, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a really rocky that's a rocky place to, start. To, to yeah, it's, it's, a a rocky, it's a rocky place to start. It's a bad place to build a foundation, of course. And you know, when you told me earlier that you had started seeing or maybe even talking to a couple of women, I I was so excited for you, and 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 I and I, I hope that that leads in a better direction for you. But I think it's very important that in the beginning stages of a relationship, that you leave your past in the past. You know, me and my girlfriend, as it is right now, we have definitely talked about some of our past relationships and past relationship experiences. But in the grand scheme of things. You know, that's, that's maybe, that, that accounts for maybe one or 2% of the conversations that we've ever had. Right. You know, we like, to, on it. we like to talk about where we're at in life right now, where we want to go, the people that we want to be, the goals that we're setting for ourselves, you know, individually and together as a couple, you know, it's, 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 it's glancing and gazing into the future rather than in toxic relationships with MPDs and narcissists looking back at how you feel like life has completely screwed you over and how you've been a victim of everyone and everything and that there's a dark cloud hanging over your head. People like that really, they really raise flags for me these days. And, and they, they should for anybody who's listening to this or going through that experience right now who, or who may go through that experience because that's not the, that's not the way, that's not the way it should start. That's not the way it should be. No, no, no. I've said this to almost every guest that I've had on. I, I wish I knew that or knew you two years ago because, um, and, and I'm 63. I just turned 63 and, and, and I've been in and out of relationships my entire life. I've been married twice and, and it's, it's, it's a shame, but I'm not going to victimize myself. But it's a shame that I'm just learning this now. Yes. Um, ha had I known what you just said, you know, it's okay to share some of your past trauma, but don't dwell on it. Don't make it, make it 2% of your relationship. Don't make it in the beginning for me, it was like for a whole month and a half, we sat there and, and trauma bonded each other with, you know, the, the, the victimization of our past relationships. And, um, that's, somebody said to me, uh, I want to, I want to just really quickly point out that one of the things I realized about that trauma bonding and, and another Another facet or dimension of it, or tool rather, that it's used for, I believe that whether or not they're being honest about their past victimization or traumas, there is a calculation and premeditation to it. There is an agenda to it. They share with you, and they make themselves at least presumably or seemingly vulnerable to you and intimate these things to you so that they can learn about your real and actual trauma, so that they can find out where your weaknesses are where your vulnerabilities lie and how they might be able to use that yeah. to their advantage oh, yeah. to manipulate you in the future. And that's exactly what they do. If anything, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a false recon mission, if you will. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. They're on a recon mission to find your vulnerabilities. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Um, all right, David, I, 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 I'm, there's so much that you've said that <laughs> I, I need to absorb. There, and, there's, and, there's and so like much. Said, there's so much just in general to cover. Um, I know that. I know that we 
we're certainly just barely even grazing the surface. And I look, yeah. I look forward well, to more opportunities, obviously, to, to, to yeah. speak with you. Uh, we, I, I'll have you back. We're definitely, we, we, we have to continue this conversation. Um, would you have any advice um, let's say somebody yes I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just immediately jump to that anybody who's out there listening right now if I had if I had any any advice to give if I had this advice to give to the younger version of myself I would say right. David don't ever don't ever let someone come into your life and make you feel bad about who you are or mm. who you want to be because when I recognized that I had zero tolerance for that. I was able, I was able to sort, I was able to parse these people out of my life almost immediately. Because someone who really genuinely loves you and wants to get to know you, someone who appreciates you, someone who, who just wants to respect you and get to know you as a friend, they're not gonna try to make you feel bad about who you are, especially not when you're being vulnerable or you're being sincere, you're just being your genuine self. They're not right. trying, they're not trying to manipulate or control you or leverage you or, 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 or groom you to be this or to be that. They see you for who you are. They accept that. They protect that. They give you a sense of security and sharing that. And, that, and, and it's just, it's just as simple as that. It's, it's actually really, really simple. Yeah. What when the if you the way you explained it, yeah, it's simple. It's it, it, it's the in the moment when a beautiful woman walks into my life and sits on my couch and I uh it like I said, I, I've been doing this all my life. It's a, I, I I I I don't have five years to yes. spend alone yeah. to 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 do what you did to go out and, and heal and find I me. Mean, of course I do, but you know, then I'll be 70, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but um, maybe that, and maybe that's what I need to do. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, 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 I have a higher power and I'm, I, I'm handing it over to him and let him guide, guide my, my path. But um, yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any predetermined, you know, amount of time, that someone needs to, you know, write, you know, write their direction or figure things out or, or, or move in a better direction, make better decisions as far as romance and relationships go. I think for me, I think I took that, that, that amount of time because I didn't prioritize relationships like I did when I was younger. I, I was able to work on myself and find fulfillment and satisfaction in myself enough that you know romance and relationships on my list of priorities went from you know went from the top of my priorities priority number one probably all the way to the bottom quite frankly good um yeah. but i i think anybody i think anybody can make that transition anytime that they're ready for it you have to really just you have to believe that you are deserving of something really really good and that your role and purpose in life isn't to make isn't just to make other people happy. Right. You need to be happy as well. And if you if you're with a partner who doesn't make you happy, who doesn't lift you up, who doesn't elevate you, who doesn't get you excited to think about a future with them, that's the biggest red flag of all. 
I have to take off the Superman cape <clears throat> um, because I have the Superman syndrome where I swoop in yes. to that damsel in distress. Um, I have to start thinking about myself first, like you just said. And uh, also I should take the romance and relationships and make it not a priority and put it at the bottom of my list. Um, while I might be meeting some women here and there, they are strictly going to be my dating companions for this upcoming summer. I just want to get back out and date. I do not want to get into a relationship. I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to love. I'm not ready to trust. I'm not ready to have sex. But I am ready to share a dinner or an ice cream with a woman on the boardwalk or go see a movie. But um, but see, everything, everything you just said right there, Andrew, tells me that you're ready to make that change and that transition because those those are the important things that you need to focus on. You're thinking about the right things now. I, I really feel like you're on the right track with with that approach to relationships because that's how great things begin. And one thing I, I do want to say before we get off here, and we'll leave it as food for thought or maybe a pseudo assignment for the next time we talk because it'll be a topic of our next conversation for sure. Um, there's a movie out there that was, I mean, it, it really resonated with me and it, it helped me kind of see me for me and understand what I was going through and what I needed to do. Um, and it's maybe a movie you've never heard of before, but it's, it's by one of my, by one of my favorite directors, uh, Spike Jones. It's a, it's a very short film. I think it's a 45 minute short film that was done by Spike Jones, probably 15, maybe even 20 years ago. And it's called, there are many of us. And, um, mm. it would, uh, you know, anytime you've got 45 minutes, turn it on, check it out and see, see if it resonates with you. And I, I'd love to discuss that movie with you the next time okay. and how it plays That's into the dynamics. Homework. Yeah. That's my homework assignment. Um, it's say it again, the, the title of it. So the title is there are many of us and it's by, there Spike, are many of it's us. by Spike Jones. Yep. Okay. Okay, I will Google that. Um, I'm sure it's on one of the platforms, the streaming platform. In fact, not, Andrew, sure. I, I mean, it, like, I am super excited to talk to you about that movie because it's 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 gonna it's gonna shake you to your core, brother. Okay, let me watch that, and then maybe in in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, we'll we'll do this again, and we'll talk about that. Maybe yeah, we'll, yeah. Hopefully, we'll re reconvene yeah. sooner than that. I, I really enjoy talking to you. I really enjoy the opportunity. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, everybody. Um, I have a new friend, David. And by the way, David, we did talk a month ago or so. Yeah. And, um, and you said something to me and um, it really touched my heart. Uh, David knows that I'm in a 12-step program. And, and what did you say to me, David? I will be your sponsor. Oh, yeah. In, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... In the dating world uh, or in, in loving yourself or something. I, I don't, I figured exactly how you put it, but I, it, meant so much to me um, absolutely absolutely and we all we all need that support from one another especially as men you know we, we need we need to support one another um and lift each other up and be there for each other because yeah <laughs> yeah be, because because some of us out there some of us listening right now you know know exactly what that means but yeah when you were telling me about your situation before we got off the phone i wanted you to know that you had a friend you had a supporter you had an advocate in me. I appreciate and me and if you ever felt 
if you ever felt like you were going to make a bad decision or that your judgment was poor and that you were bound to make a bad decision of that, yeah. you know, I wanted you to call me immediately and I, I would set the record straight and I, I'd get you right back on the right direction. And, and uh, Well, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to that. Yes, that I'm offer, gonna, that I, offer I may, will always stand. Okay. I may need that because I, you know, there's another motto in my, in my podcast. I've been there and I'm still doing that. And I hope to someday, say been there done that you know and 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 with an exclamation point so absolutely david thank you so much for coming on oh andrew you, it was my pleasure are, thank you thank you for making time you are a blessing in disguise and i am so glad that we were able to cross paths and um we will talk again soon everybody david thank, thank you, you so much.